The Lord is my shepherd. How many times have you heard those words, said those words, prayed those words? One of my most memorable times was traveling with a group of Presbyterians in Cuba a few years ago. And I was trailing along a 70-year-old elder whose job it was to ride her bike up to 10 miles a day to stop and visit the members for whom she was their shepherd. Each house we entered in, she sat down and read in flowing Spanish, Psalm 23. And then we served communion. It was a testimony to the power of that scripture in any language and the memories we carry of the times that we have grieved or needed help or felt lost or needed reassurance. The Lord is my shepherd. Today is known as Shepherding Sunday, Good Shepherd Sunday, and the gospel reading is always from John chapter 10, a portion of it. In both the Old and New Testaments, sheep and shepherds appear quite frequently. Abraham and Jacob and Moses were shepherds. David was an unlikely shepherd boy whom God chose to be king and is the traditional author of the beloved Psalm 23 Sarah read earlier. The prophet Isaiah speaks to the cycle of sin and redemption when he says, we all like sheep have gone astray, each one of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And the prophet Ezekiel, who identified God's action toward broken and scattered people to the critical work of a shepherd, saying, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. And on a dark, starry night in Bethlehem, it was the humble shepherds who were visited by the angels and who made their way to the manger. So when Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he stands in all of those traditions. And when he tells us over and over again throughout this gospel that he gathers us, that he loves us, that he watches over us, and that he lays down his life for his sheep. We know he carries with him all that tradition and more. The Easter message is that Jesus returns to us and will never let us go, will not abandon his flock, will be our shepherd. And our assurance is based not on what we do and not on what we don't do, but on what Jesus does as the Good Shepherd, he is the focus. In a recent talk by Reverend Nadia Boltz Weber, she described her role as a pastor at this moment in our culture in this way. She said, it is to take the precious stuff out of the church, drag it to the curb, and put a free sign on it. And before you get worried, I don't think she meant artwork and brass crosses and stained glass windows, but the most precious thing 
that the church holds space for, but does not own. The most precious thing the church holds space for, but does not own. Authentic community. Radical forgiveness, sacrificial generosity, the voice of the Lord as our shepherd, and most of all, grace, which she calls the load-bearing truth of the Christian faith. The grace to be found in today's gospel is not just that we hear a word of assurance, but that we also hear the reminder that for all the good we do or try to do, we are still wandering sheep. And the grace of it all is that God loves us still, that Jesus becomes incarnate, that he entered into the mess that is this world, and that he walks with us by his Holy Spirit. And we, we have this beautiful privilege of opening our hearts and our doors and putting what is most valuable out on the doorstep for anyone to take for free the grace we have not earned that tells us you are forgiven, you are loved, you are gathered in. The good shepherd knows your name. Today, the message is to listen for his voice, to be guided by his kindness, for Jesus is the shepherd and guardian of your soul. No matter what you have done or have left undone, Grace is the load-bearing truth of the Christian faith, and it's our most precious gift to share. For most of us, sheep and shepherds are pretty far beyond our own reality. Nursery rhymes and children's books tend to romanticize sheep as soft and fluffy creatures but actually they smell like grass and dirt and sweat and rain and whatever they were chewing on or rolling in. In the wild, sheep compete for limited resources. The bigger ones take advantage of the smaller ones and they fight for dominance. I've read how rams will throw themselves at each other at speeds up to 20 miles per hour, which can go on for hours until one of them gives up and walks off unharmed due to their thick skulls. And Jesus, the shepherd, well, he's there for it all. He doesn't have a romanticized view of sheep. He's there for the gathering. He's there for the protecting, for the guiding, for the leading, for the interrupting. Minister Candace Simpson speaks to the protective role of Jesus as shepherd when she recalls that one of the most revealing stories about Jesus in the Gospels is the way he interrupted the stoning of the woman caught in adultery, a true clash of unequal powers. A woman is about to be stoned by the town for she, apparently herself, alone, was caught in adultery. And Jesus puts his body on the line. He interrupts the violence. He doesn't allow himself to be a bystander, although he easily could have enjoyed the privilege of manhood and walked right on by. But instead, he stops at the scene. He pushes those with stones to reflect 
on what they're getting ready to do. He speaks out, if anyone here is without sin, let, let him be the one to cast the first stone. And then there is silence. Everyone drops the rock. The story shows that for Jesus, being a shepherd means fighting off some wolves to protect the most vulnerable. It's brave work. It's dirty work. It's dangerous and risky. And shepherding for real is very menial. It's, it's, it's using your hands and your, your body and being out of doors and exposed to the elements and trudging through muck and muck and overgrown fields. And the image of the shepherd reminds us that's where God is. That's where God is concerned. That's who he's concerned about with those who are at risk, those who are vulnerable, who are lost, who are wandering, who are alone. The Lord is my shepherd. I read a comment by Methodist preacher Will Willimon who says, as a Sunday, Good Shepherd Sunday is not my favorite. It sounds as if Jesus is doing all the work. He's the good shepherd. What are we, sheep? What would sheep do? Lie in green pastures? Drink from still waters? Aren't we supposed to do something? Aren't we supposed to be out there bringing in God's kingdom? And I wonder maybe for this Good Shepherd Sunday, when we are still the church, both gathered and scattered, we can relax. We can relax our to-do list for a bit and focus on Jesus as the good shepherd. This is a congregation of well-meaning Christians who want to do good, who want to make a difference and to bless the world. And we have agreed fully to participate in the audacious goals set out in the Matthew 25 initiative of our denomination, to build congregational vitality, to dismantle structural racism, to eradicate systematic poverty. And in doing all those things, we need to make sure we leave room for Jesus. Because sometimes our goals can be so lofty and our intentions so good that we can fall under the illusion that bringing the kingdom is all about us and our good works. If we just work a little harder, be a little busier, then surely the change will come. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is up against the powerful kingdoms of this world. And there are forces at work that are systematic and structural and daunting and pervasive. Being gathered in community with Jesus, being led into the small works of healing and resistance and peace will mean getting our hands dirty, walking around in the muck of the world, but it will also mean praying and being in communion and understanding who the shepherd is and who the sheep are. And if we aren't grounded in the deep assurance of the incarnation, that God became one of us, a good shepherd who guides us and shields us and restores us and willingly lays down his life for us and gathers others into the fold, then we will soon grow weary of doing good. Jesus does for us 
what we cannot do for ourselves. He saves us. We who are the beloved, the wayward sheep, when we've given our best efforts and our generous contributions and our well-chosen words and letters and statements and protests and sermons and still the kingdom has not come, then we do well to remember that it is Jesus who leads us, he who plays the long game, he who holds space for the ark of salvation history. It is he whom we imitate when we seek to gather the vulnerable or to interrupt violence or to speak up against suffering and injustice. And it is Jesus whom we return to when all our human striving is over and when our work is done. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not give up. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fear. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not think it all depends on me. Last Tuesday evening, when the jury ceased their deliberations in the trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin after only 11 hours, it felt like the whole country waited with bated breath. The murder conviction of a police officer is exceedingly rare, and the outcome of that trial was far from certain. In Minneapolis and elsewhere, people gathered, they prayed, they chanted, they waited, they held their breath, and then it came. Guilty on three counts and scenes of joy and relief on the streets. We matter, said one woman standing outside the convenience store where George Floyd was killed. Let the healing work begin, shouted another, her words quickly echoed by the gathering crowd. But it was the children who got to me. 17-year-old who took the video on her cell phone as Floyd was pinned down, as he said he couldn't breathe, as he called out for his mother, and finally as he went silent, was a key witness in the case. The nine-year-old who watched the ambulance personnel arrive and speak to the officers, testifying that they asked him nicely to get off of him. And when asked how she felt, said, I was sad and kind of mad because it felt like he was stopping his breathing and it was kind of like hurting him. These girls, like the other bystanders, had no power to intervene. But they did what they could to interrupt the violence, to bear witness to the injustice, to record a death that will not be forgotten. J. Herbert Nelson, who is our stated clerk of the Presbyterian Church USA, released a statement that said in part, Our Lord Jesus Christ calls on us to love the otherness of the other. Yet a year after several shootings of unarmed persons of color, we find ourselves repeating history once again. The cries of victims seem to fall on deaf ears. The verdict is in, but the trials and tribulations are far from over. Equality is still not within our reach. It is our prayer that this is the beginning of change, not just a one-off case, but a true change in the very fabric of society, 
May God reach into the hearts of every individual in this country and tear away everything that smacks of racism, bigotry, and privilege. May God replace it with the warm embrace of compassion, justice, mercy, and love. And his words reflect the reality that the change we seek will take an act of God. Jesus is the shepherd and guardian of our souls. But in the end, we are still wayward sheep. And we need to be gathered and guided and shielded and interrupted when we are in the middle of hurting one another. But in the end, it, no, it turns out that being a sheep is a good thing and that we're in it together. No one person responsible for bringing in the kingdom on our own. No one congregation. Doing the small things we can to bear witness to injustice, to interrupt the cycle of violence, to challenge the human systems that need to be brought in line with God's heart. We remember what Jesus said about sheep. Now, when the human one comes in his majesty, he said in Matthew 25, and all his angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him, and he will separate them from each other just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right side, but the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who will receive good things from my Father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink. When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and give you clothes to wear? When, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will reply to them, I assure you when you have done it for one of the least of these, your brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. So maybe being a sheep is as simple as listening for the voice of the shepherd and of um, getting in the habit of seeing him in those who suffer, so much so that as you're listening and feeding and welcoming and clothing and visiting and even wandering, you happily discover that it is the Lord in your midst and that you yourself have been gathered in all the other wanderers and you've been made God's own. Shepherd me, O oh God, beyond my wants, beyond my fears, from death unto life.